0: what is up welcome back to big fat five a podcast financially supported by big fat snare drum we're back with a normal episode i never thought this day would come so this week's guest is the forrest rice he's an incredible drummer with a seemingly endless amount of creativity flowing through him as shown with the amount of projects he's involved with which we do get into at the end of the chat but for a quick intro His project Wolfie has a lot of exciting things coming up. He's also drummed for Covet, Standards, and the Illustrated Violet over the last few years. But before listening to this episode, I suggest you go check him out. I've linked his Instagram in the show notes, and it will give you a little more context to this chat. And he's just fun to watch and listen to, he's great. So thanks for being on the show, Forrest, and it feels good to be back. So here are the five records that helped shape Forrest Rice into the drummer he is today. Cheers. I'm assuming maybe you've seen Nelson drum shops, drum showcases, and, mm-hmm. and most recently, Pro Drum Hollywood has been doing their Groove of the Day. So yeah. if I gave you some drumsticks and said, I'm going to film you for 30 seconds, what would Forrest play?
1: <laughs> It'd be like the Forest beat. <laughs> the one that's like... <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about that beat, but any kind of halftime beat with lots of groups of three is something that I've always heard. And when I go back and watch, like if I were to look at old clips of me just learning, I was trying to play that stuff, that the stuff that I do now, but there were just more holes in it. But mm-hmm. I just think of a halftime groove around 70 to 80 BPM. And that's like my Goldilocks zone. That's just where I like to live in this like type area and it's just uh i don't know how well the um the beatboxing will get picked up or how much sibilance there will be yeah i would just play one of those beats or a shuffle beat i really like i'm really into drum and bass now but Mm. the thing is when i'm at a drum shop i never really just play i always play it like some weird like uncomfortable volume i never actually play at which is kind of just the code for drum shop playing you always got (laughs) to play as if you're the most like light-handed like sophisticated you know pinky up type player yeah um but yeah it would probably be the forest beat which i just think of as like um the halftime Ghost notey beat, that's mm-hmm. like you know way over way over playing <laughs> way <laughs> overdoing it
0: <laughs> are do one of your choices uh describe how you got that as a kind of your your heart song, or do you have a reason why that is just the thing that that tickles your fancy?
1: I don't know if any of those players do it exactly because when I think about where I got that beat and that kind of thing, it was just from hearing. And trying to play to the effect of certain players without knowing exactly what they're doing, Mm -hmm. and um, I think when it comes to that list, there it's more like musical than like drumming specific influences. It's kind of things that maybe change the way I view music. But I would say the drummers that have influenced that would definitely be like um, Thomas Pridgen and like Mark Juliana, Mm -hmm. Nate Wood, um, Keith Carlock um a lot of fusion cats Mm -hmm. you know have inspired that um i'm trying to think if there's like any particular one but it's hard to say because i would just play to a lot of instrumental hip-hop and music and i would want to keep the kick and snare but i'd want the hi-hat to be talking so that's kind of where i think the the um lyricism of the hi-hat comes from
2: okay
0: yeah And you kind of just explained my next question that I always ask guests: is what was your mindset going into this? So this was more of musical influences as a whole, as opposed Mm -hmm. to just what shaped you as a drummer. It's as a player, essentially.
1: Yeah, these, the ones that I picked, um, they were all kind of like milestone albums for me and like either what I was listening to at these kind of points in my life or albums that I listened to that made me want to make that kind of music for a while or just kind of shape the direction I would go. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I approached uh, some of these records. And then uh, I was really torn because I also want to be diverse and I don't want to list like only one kind of music, even if that's what I was really into or what I'm into now. I wanted it to kind of try my best to encapsulate a lot of different types of stuff that I'm into throughout the years so I tried to fit in the last like 15 years of influential albums within those five or so
0: great well let's just hop into the first one and before we go are they in any particular order of how they were introduced to you or is this pretty I think
1: I tried to I think I tried to do an order so yeah the first one exit stage left right mm-hmm. yep Yeah. So I just became a drummer and everyone was like, you know, Neil Peart's the greatest drummer of all time. And I was just like, Oh words. So they're like, you got to hear these records. So I started listening to rush immediately and my sister's dad, uh, Glenn Wilkison was a drummer and he always wanted to show me rush and like Led Zeppelin and the classic rock stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I got into rush, I was just like, oh, dang, this is like a trio. This is just three dudes. Like, that's so cool. And, you know, Neil has that huge kit and all his parts are written so well. But the Exit Stage Left album was just like a CD that... Like my folks didn't listen to rush, but for some reason we had this album in our CD changer. And I remember we had one of those rotating CD changers that could hold like a hundred CDs, a hundred Jesus. I had six, but yeah. 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 It was like a massive one or something. It could hold a lot of CDs like, damn. and I would just go and look at some CDs in there or like just, you know, browsing through the CDs we had, um, right before file sharing was a thing. And Mm -hmm. I would just, uh, remember i found this i was like oh rush people tell me to listen to that so i put it on just like hearing the crowd and the musicians play and there's no click track it's all live and still the way some of these songs are played to me like free will is the definitive version for me like the live exit stage left version i think the mix is better the feel is better live than even The record, Permanent Waves, which is also one of my favorite Rush records. Mm. Super big in the Rush guy over here, which probably is... uh or a huge red flag to anyone listening. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, Existage Left is a Desert Island album for me. Definitely one of my all-time favorites. And it's a crossroad record for them right before. It's like right after Moving Pictures, right at the end of their prog era in the 70s, right before they started doing a lot of super heavy synthwave stuff in the 80s. It's like right at 81. It's their entire prog catalog live, plus all the bangers off Moving Pictures. So. hmm that album that live album just hits it for me i love that record um and just so influential for me i put that one on still today with my with my bandmates in the Illustrated violet and we still trip out on that record so cool all right here we go as a kid i just liked this song i didn't know i was playing in alternating time signatures um, it's alternating six and seven, right here, and it's just so the way they just drive through these alternating types and shoes is so, so g. And every fill Neil does at the end of this right here is different. Uh, that pre-chorus fill. This is mixed really well. It's incredible that it's live, and listen to the little intricacies in the hi-hat. There's a tiny pressure change. It's like not an open hat, and I'm obsessed over this detail, but he changes the pressure in his hi-hat without actually opening it, and it's just the most subtle, tastiest thing on the hi-hat yeah, that I've only really know, heard Neil do.
2: You can
1: the bottom fill <laughs> Yeah. He's like referencing all the classic rock fills and that's what I love about Neil. He's so well studied.
0: Um, yes this i can't just can't get over sonically how this sounds
1: right it's live wait till the solo it it gives me chills every time the guitar solo in this one this fill right here so cool like it's in yeah his feel the way he's pulling back like it's yeah that feel kind of like slowed time it really did it really did
2: And the lyrics are
1: so sick in this song. Probably the smartest thing Neil could have done was own the lyrics and songwriting as a drummer.
0: Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It's Galaxy brain
1: move. Yeah. Yeah. Although they were just friends and it wasn't like a thing. Also, that fill—I don't know if you want to play it again—is insane. Sure, yeah. Insane. Let, me, let me back up a little bit. Like, listen to this hit. Yeah, it's this next one coming
2: you know. <laughs> up. Jeez.
1: Yeah, that's insane. It's just like, I, I love that they just jammed that out.
0: Wow. I need to go down there. I have never heard that performance of that song.
1: Oh, dang. That's cool. Yeah, it's It's one of those where I always like come back to it. Like I hear the radio version Mm -hmm. and I'm like, it sounds thin. I don't know what it is. It sounds thinner somehow. Although the tones are great. It's recorded. Great. It's better. Like maybe sonically, but there's so much energy in that live one that is very tangible. You're just like, Holy shit. They're all just going off the whole time during that solo odd times. The fills keep changing and getting more complex. And one thing about Rush that they do live is they have these insane tags in the end where they do some crazy odd time hit or slowdown. That's not on the record. It's only for live. And just love that kind of detail to songs. But yeah, I could go on and on about that record, so... Yeah,
0: that was, you know, they always, or everyone always says, when someone's doing a solo, everyone else should back up to give the guy room or give the girl room, but they're all three going crazy at the same time, and it still works, so.
1: Yeah, they Good wrote Rush. parts that just weaved in and out and, and left space, and, like, yeah, you could tell they had a lot of jam time together. Yeah, they're very tight.
0: All right, number two, You, Me, and the Mountain, released here is 2008, The artist is Maps and Atlases, song choice, and... Uh, ted sent you but we can do whatever and uh yeah the drummer's uh chris chris haney Heine. yeah
1: yeah chris haney and he's um he's like a huge photographer now on oh, awesome. instagram which is cool but yeah a little context i was really into this band called tokyo police club and they're like an indie band they're kind of like the canadian strokes but more like raw and they had really cool lo-fi drum breaks and um the singer was doing an acoustic set and he's wearing a shirt that said maps and analysis. And I was like, Oh, I like the singer. I'll, you know, I'll look up the band and I looked it up and the video comes up and there's a guitarist with both hands on the fretboard. And I was just like, Oh, this dude's like tapping. And this is kind of like after this, the YouTube algorithm just started recommending me math rock. So it was kind of the very first math rock band I ever heard. Um, I think the very first song was every place is a house which is a wild tappy song and you mean the mountain is more of a folksy kind of math rock song Mm -hmm. and um i don't know any band that has this type sound and it's it's pretty cool and i've got to i got to see this band a couple times as well one of my favorites
0: yeah all right here we go here's uh ted Zanka.
1: and the drummer's playing that glockenspiel at the same time Um, In a live video So he's playing that and the drum part Oh wow um, Just at the intro Yeah Yeah I love the mix on this too The drums have a great lo-fi sound It just sounds I don't know like you could find this on an old tape And just be like when is this from Tonally it sounds like it could be from the 60s or 70s
0: Effects wise it's just it could be like a can song or something
1: mm-hmm. just clean I love how blown out the drums are too totally and the way he's playing listen for the rim how he's playing that something more breakneck the album before this um trees houses and swallows is insane it is like a more punk rock version of what we just heard it's just like way more aggro and and that was the first one i heard but this album is probably one of my favorite math rock records because it's just got a tone that's unique to itself it's like a fantasy it sounds like it's out of like some old timey book totally some fantasy script book or something i don't know it's just complete completed vibe and very uh original
0: yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah hey y'all i wanted to (laughs) i can't say i wanted to talk to you about a drum i've recently received from preston at vessel drum co it's an ocean patina 14 by five and a half snare drum and it's incredible It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And and Preston actually, this is why it's called the ocean patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve Six tour, and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye uh, all right. Well, let's go to number three, because I do want to get a few of your honorable mentions in as well. So number three, Total Life Forever, released years 2010. The artist is Foles. And a song that we've chosen, we might choose a different one, is Afterglow, but the drummer is uh, Jack Bavin.
1: Mm-hmm, I believe so all right even Baven, Baven.
0: jack we love you i'd love to have you on the show man you're a great drummer i've seen so many live videos of, of foals uh an ex-roommate of mine is the biggest foals fan.
1: yeah so i mean you could start the song it's a pretty long song and this song's like a total slow burn and um it's just a build it's it's a, the whole song is a great build uh, the setting is so post-apocalyptic i love it and um this album i listened to on a long car ride with headphones and um i was it was a i was gonna go visit family for thanksgiving and this album i remember just getting lost in and listening to front to back like again and again on like a six hour car ride and the production and the way everything sounds and how every time i listened to it i could pick out a new layer and like just the production on this kind of set up a standard for me where I was just like, dang, I want to do something that sounds like this. Yeah. And, um, it's a great combination of moody, dark ambience and, and also syncopation, trance, math rock, like such a cool mix of sounds. It's like dancier syncopated radiohead or something and mm-hmm. yeah this album was my favorite for a whole year and it, i couldn't stop talking about it and <laughs> it really was important to me because when i heard this album it kind of brought me back to rush where i just liked the songs and i liked the band and it wasn't about the drum part or like it wasn't about the individual parts it was about how everything functioned as a whole. And after I heard this record, I really cared about music more and mm-hmm. not just the drums as corny as it sounds, but it really made me care about like the unit, the full unison sound of a band and how, how cool that could be. Um, and I didn't know it, but it also kind of like, I think first introduced me to really good production that I would care about and sound design and, and like just like good quality sounds. Cause math rock is often made in someone's bedroom and you know you're you get you may not know it you like the patterns or the songs but you're actually getting into lo-fi and you know into like you're kind of getting your ear accustomed to that sound so i was used to all this lo-fi math rock <laughs> bedroom stuff and then i heard this and i was just like holy shit this is so deep but yeah it's an amazing record every song on it is a banger Yeah, this build right here is. This is where it drops. A really cool breakdown. Nice. Such a simple and tasty break, and then this. It's like a live trance EDM band now. (laughs) The tones on this, that guitar is so juiced. Oh my goodness.
0: All right. So number four, Silent Earthling, released here is 2016. The artist is Three Traps Tigers. Sorry, the album was Silent Earthling. The artist is Three Traps Tigers. The song is... uh, Ingram and Adam Betts, who has been on the show, he's a friend of the pod, very nice guy. So I'm stoked to always see his his uh Shout his name on those. Oh yeah, insane drummer. So so yeah, uh, let let's let's talk about it and then and then we'll play a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I heard it was kind of a crazy timing for me for this record because I already like Three Trap Tigers, and I was on my first tour with Covet as the merch guy mm. in 2016. And I just wanted to help him out and, you know, spend a month traveling across the country with a rock band. I thought that would be cool. And then my first day on that tour, this album dropped and we listened to it in the van together. And I remember on the spot, I thought this was one of the coolest records and it made me, it was weird. It made me like hopeful for the future of music. I was like, yo, this thing sounds so crazy and it was in the shittiest van speakers it was this really like just burnt Astrovan van or something and um or a twin star or i forget the name but yeah and uh it still sounded amazing in there and that blew me away and still to this day i've never heard a record sound like this or a band sound like this so shout out adam betts amazing playing I can't get over this record. One of my all-time favorites, every song on it, is Killer. The synth tones. This would be a huge inspo for me for um, the future of Wolfie. Before I even knew it and was into like drum and bass and synth, they were kind of curating a lot of that stuff that I would kind of be into now. And I heard this record way back before I even like got into as much electronic and synth-driven music but yeah they performed some of these songs at arc tangent and that was like the first and last time they've performed i think in like two or three years or something it was the first and last time they performed i don't think they're going to be dropping anything soon um or i think they're just focused on other things Mm -hmm. but uh you know shout out colossal squid shout out adam Betz solo stuff huge fan i gotta watch him open up for covet like every day in the uk and that blew my mind it was such a treat to to watch that and i would try to sit you know behind him side stage or whatever every chance i could and um yeah this record i really i really want to make a Wolfy record that captures this kind of synth and drone and like power and heaviness all at once without being you know entirely derivative but i don't know if anyone knows another record that sounds anything like this let me know because this thing is just still one of my favorites this many years later and I bump it all the time whenever I need inspo.
0: Awesome. Well here we go here's
1: Engrams Yeah the EP um, EP3 the song 11 was another huge one Um, Okay, another big song by this band that I was just like I don't know I never heard Crazy Odd Times work so well and I think most of this album's in 4 but it has some crazy ones tones i can't get over the synth tones they're so juicy they could just play these floaty dreamy riffs one after the other now this beat listen how symmetrical the snare pattern is on the front and back half it's like a palindrome the way it just the way this beat works over this is so trippy to me. Yeah, there's a really dope... I guess... Is that the last one on the list?
0: There we have one more. Mm-hmm. It is... Uh, Planetary Prince by Cameron mm-hmm. Graves. Mm-hmm.
1: This, Yeah, this is one of my favorite jazz fusion records. has some of my favorite musicians on it. And I think at the time kamazi washington's the epic just dropped which is like a huge album and i believe cameron graves was his piano player Mm. and this was the stuff that he was cooking up on his own with some of the members of kamazi's band anyway it's a really cool mix of like heavy funk it's like a mix of metal and jazz in an American way. Cause the only other person I've heard make stuff kind of like this is like Tigran Hamasian mm. who combines like kind of Meshuggah rhythms, Armenian folk and jazz. And this kind of like when I first heard this, I thought, Oh shit, it's like American Tigran, not to be one for one, but I just thought, Oh cool. It's heavy jazz, mm-hmm. you know, with my favorite musicians on it. So huge record for me. I love this one. A lot of cool odd times. I loved the drum sound and the performance. The reason this <laughs> picking these albums was so hard for me is because I'm very much an album guy. Mm-hmm. I listen to albums top to bottom daily. I don't even think about it. I don't even think about listening to songs individually. I put on an album and I just go top to bottom and then the next album. And that's just kind of how I've listened to music for a while that I don't even consider that that's a reference
0: <laughs> was that uh, maybe growing up with like vinyl in the family or was it just always taught to you to start from one and just go
1: uh i i was more into vinyl mm-hmm. i'm not as into vinyl um lately because i like a lot of electronic stuff and there's just not as much low end yeah. and um but for like a minute i was collecting anything with john mclaughlin or chick Corea mm-hmm. on it and i would spin that to just vibe to at home mm-hmm. And I got uh, anything with Billy Cobham on it, too. I'd also, like, try to get. But, yeah, nowadays it's mostly through just, like, YouTube or Apple Music. Um, yeah, mostly those. And because okay. I have YouTube Premium, I just let that run. Because, um, yeah, that's the thing is Apple Music doesn't have as good of a, a algorithm for recommendations as Spotify does. Where like Spotify's like we analyzed your brain patterns while you were sleeping and curated <laughs> this playlist for you. <laughs> Where like yeah. Apple Music's just like you're listening to what you already know. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I like going on YouTube and searching playlists because sometimes that algorithm will help me find something different. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think the reason why I like albums is because it gives me um, it's jarring for me to even. When someone's passing the aux and I go from like one vibe to another, it could just be a whole lot. So it's <laughs> almost like a sensory thing, I guess. I just like to be in one vibe at a time unless I'm not sure what my vibe is and I need to, um, you know, mix it up a bit. But yeah, I don't know. I just like the um, the consistency of listening to an album top to bottom.
0: I love that. I mean, that's in many ways that's the right way (laughs) there are very little arguments against that so yeah
1: and one thing I I would recommend people trying to their favorite records is starting halfway through and listening to it from that point on or or trying to hear it from um, a different vantage point because sometimes you'll just you'll think you really like a record and you just like the first three songs Mm. you know
0: just start with side two if you're listening to vinyl or something. Kinda,
1: yeah, totally. Yeah. I'll do that with my favorites. I'm like, you know, I really like this record. I'm gonna listen to it from the midpoint on. So my full focus is on that middle point instead of on the first couple songs. And then my brain kinda wanders. Which is another part of my listening that I've noticed is I listen to jazz when I want to my mind to wander mm. and when I want to my brain to go multiple places. That's usually when I listen to jazz. But if I want to actually get anything from it, I need to watch it. I need to watch jazz or someone play it or swing to really get um, what I'm looking for. Right.
0: (laughs) All right. So I guess, I mean, you wrote down the the song Diablo, but is that still a good way to go? I know you just said. Yeah, it's a dope song. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, here we go.
1: Yeah, I was at the album release party for this. Craig Robinson was the MC, and he uh, announced the band. And I remember, uh, I'm standing front row, and if you go on YouTube and look up this album release, you'll see me in a striped sweater in the front row, just standing and vibing. And Eric Moore was there, standing right behind Ronald with his phone out, just, like, recording him. And behind him was Greg Oborlai. And I was just like... I was just like, dang, this is the drum hangout here. Um,
0: Ronald being the drummer, Ronald Reiner Jr. Yeah, Ronald
1: Reiner Jr. Yeah. When I say Ron, I I really don't mean anyone else. (laughs) the thing is for a jazz record almost never is my favorite drummer on my favorite record except for this one mm. and that's why it gets the spot is because that's such a rare thing for me i almost never like my favorite album as much as my favorite drummer they're separate you know yeah that's what i figured out when i listened to total life forever i was like oh i have two different interests now one of them is like a drumming thing that's outside of music and its own drummy worldness, mm-hmm. and then there's music, which is a separate, separate thing. Um, but yeah, this is one of, one of the few records where they they both get a jam. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, my buddy Andy Prado, I think, is currently working with Cameron Graves. Aaron Haggerty. Oh, yeah. Uh, also got to work with him. And it was cool. I just finished the Covet record, FLRS, my first one. And I was in New York. And Winter Jazz Fest was happening. And I'm in my bass player's sister's apartment. And I was like, oh, shit, Winter Jazz Fest is happening. Where is that going down? It was going down, down the street. And I see my friend Aaron Haggerty's there. And I'm like, yo, West Coaster out here? I was like, hey, dude, what's up? Are you going to Jazz Fest? He goes, yeah, bro, I'm playing with Cameron. Want me to put you on the guest list? I was like, yeah. So I just like got to go in and, and like show up. I, it was day of. I didn't have any plans for this. So he's got to show up. And I see like Ron was playing. Cameron Graves was playing. Thundercat played. Justin Brown's band played. It was like the Pantheon. And it was so cool. I just did my first like legit studio record yeah, and then I got to go see this in real life. And I was just like, okay, oh, I don't know. It felt like it's a very cool moment in that it felt like, I know, I felt like I was doing something. Like I just completed a chapter. I just did my first record. And then I'm, then I went to go see my favorite live jazz band. It's a good time.
0: Yeah. Those, those situations, it's like they're the world tapping you in the back saying like, you're on the right path. You were supposed to be right here right now. How have I not heard of Ron before? What the hell?
1: He's uh Thundercats brother. his older brother Mm -hmm. yeah and like the whole gospel chops era it was i feel like the spotlight was heavily on like eric moore and thomas pridgen but ron was there and he just had he was like the most low-key one but i always thought his phrasing and feel is just so goaded it's just so different and more um to me he just sounds the most studious like he has the most novak and vinnie and like he's really just pulling from so many drummers like honestly if you just put billy cobham and dennis chambers together Mm. you know you'd have a really he's a great step in the lineage of jazz fusion drumming so like billy cobham dennis chambers ronald bruner mike mitchell is kind of how i see that (laughs) like jazz fusion drummer um tree um so yeah i gotta go out to new york watch this be played i saw the album release super into this record um it kind of woke me back up to being into jazz and liking the arrangements and actual the riffs you know not just like that's the thing when you're a jazz listener you like the player and you almost just like what they do and you kind of like it's a different way of listening to where you want to get in their brain and see how they think when you're listening to jazz is how you know you listen to how someone thinks and then on this one, there's riffs and there's, like, hooks. And, like, I just thought that everything was done so well to where I like the song, the the composition as much as the playing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And for everyone listening, Aaron Haggerty has been a guest on the podcast. So, go listen to Aaron's episode as well. Really good insight there. So, that was your big fat five. Now, I do want to go into at least two of your honorable mentions. And so, I'm mm-hmm. just going to pick the top two because you did actually kind of mention um Mm -hmm. one of them a few minutes ago but Mm -hmm. let's go to strobes the album's broke speak and the album or the drummer is joshua blackmore so yeah go ahead
1: so this is one of my favorite albums of that year i think it came out the same year as planetary prince and these were like the two albums i would just flip-flop between and strobes is a side project of three trap tigers Mm. the keyboard players side proj and this album is a is a master class in tuplet and subdivision where it's a trio. Every song is in some crazy timey wimey tuplet. The whole band just flows and grooves together. And like, it's so cool. If, if I were to suggest a song, I would say, um, broke speak again, the whole album is dope. And if you like any of the sounds from three trap tigers, you might like this. And, uh, They're just doing stuff with time signatures and and modulation that I don't hear any band do, and it's like entirely its own vibe, very different from Three Trap Tigers, which is heavier. And this is just like more noodly and more time, like just time, (laughs) time craziness. But yeah, they're really really dope. Joshua Blackmore, the drummer, super underrated. He made his own solo record that is inspired by this, that is also very tuplety that you should check out um i forget the name of it but yeah just joshua blackmore
2: okay well let's just listen to brooke
0: speak real quick and then yeah yeah check it out
1: yeah does this feel crazy
2: (laughs) yeah
0: I want to bob my head but I have no I idea where the hell I am.
1: I know. Yeah, you bob and then you hear like the snare on the beat <laughs> and you're just like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the way he's lining up the, the bass line with the rims But he's playing dotted eighth notes, so it's kind of like just feels weird.
2: Ooh, it's so home back. I can't.
1: love the space in this one
0: yeah so would this be a record you'd put on to get out of your head or just kind of let your mind float i know you said jazz but with this yeah uh
1: when i need to supercharge my adhd brain on a short drive to the practice studio yes i will go for something like this mm. or tigran hamassian or something very noty in a short amount of time or if i want to let my mind wander it'd probably be a longer drive or i'll listen to like i don't know maybe something like boards of canada something very ambient or even or jazz you know or something dronier mm-hmm. but yeah that song gets freaking crazy, crazy dope time signatures crazy tight hits um if you want to hear something rhythmic that
2: record all
0: right well and you've you've mentioned tigran Hamasyan many times or a few times so uh, so far so let's listen to the record shadow theater and this is a drummer that i want to get on the on the podcast so much nate mm-hmm. wood
1: so yeah the goat yeah everything nate wood does i'm a massive fan of mm-hmm. from Kneebody, i've seen multiple times i've gotten to see um four his solo project and it was kind of funny it was right after i did another covet record i was in new york and he was playing at the new blue and my buddy Chris Paprota, another amazing drummer, his band Narbot was opening for him. And I was like, what? I got to see my, my friend and Nate Wood play tonight. And, um, at one of those shows, I, I remember at one of the shows I saw Nate, I asked him like, yo, like how, what was it like working with Tigran? And he said something like everything I know about time, odd times or something I learned from Tigran. And I was just like, I don't know you, Nate, he's a deep, cat and i i feel like when he's talking to me i'm really trying to listen and be on the level to receive because he's just galaxy brain mm-hmm. um it's so cool that him and ben wendell of Nebody are both on this record and they compliment tigran amazingly and the way they weave in and out of time signatures is so cool um my favorite song might be alternate universe or or collapse both those two are great drip is great honestly this whole record every song is dope but yeah alternate universe is cool
0: i like that phrase you've used a few times galaxy brain it's pretty cool (laughs) all right here's i'm uh, just
1: i'm just memeing (laughs) yeah exactly
0: uh here's part two alternative universe
1: yeah the way nate feels this is so cool you could feel this as eighth notes or dotted eighths, and Nate does the, the dotted eighth, which is like a parallel time signature on top of this eleven. I sound like su- such a hipster trying <laughs> to describe this, but. on the ride is insane too whatever he's doing nate's one of those acquired taste drummers for me where i was i didn't get it because i was only in a really flashy over the top playing mm-hmm. now that feel change is sick right here when it snapped into this got to think of that previous feel it's the same riff but put that feel he just played on top of it and that's what i'm saying it's like a different one see now he's back
2: ah
1: that's so cool that change We all can. We all can barely perceive music (laughs) comparison to Tigran. (laughs) And then it's cool, he just, this is the third feel over this time signature he's put. Um, And I really like the way the shuffle feels over it. Really want a synth album from Tigran. I'm dying for him to just get a Korg Mini Log and do a whole record on that. I'm like, yeah. I Love the, how snappy this shuffle feel is with the odd time. What a great performance. And Nate Wood's so locked in and tight. So yeah, one time I was in the car with Chris Baproda driving home from Nam. He was playing this Wayne Krantz jam or something, and I was just listening, staring out the window. And then it just hit me like a ton of bricks, just how insane and precise the feel was. Because I don't know why, it just never hit me. And then it was like I woke up out of a dream, and I was just like... (gasps) holy shit this is a person and i was just like this is crazy how accurate it is and how the feel the like tone and temperament of his playing is so controlled and just he's such a transparent player and the way the music comes through uh it's just so cool the way you can drive and improvise and play a part and also every time i've seen nate wood live his timing scares me like to the molecule it's so accurate and i've seen only a couple cats whose time where they just play a straight time beat and i'm terrified and that's chris dave and nate wood Mm. and both of them like they'll just play a a straight time beat that's slow and i'm just like shaking i'm just like how like i could never yeah (laughs) i would have to be playing at least four times as many ghost notes to play that slow
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah space is fucking scary man it is, it is.
1: Yeah, Nate's the goat.
0: Yeah. All right, well, this is this is your your chance to do some
1: self-promotion.
0: Um, I know it's everyone's favorite thing, but uh, you do have some projects that you've mentioned a few times so far. So uh, this is your platform. People can check you out, and then I'll let you get on with, I'm assuming, your, your busy day.
1: All righty, so um, Wolfie 3 is a thing coming out very soon. It's already mixed. I'm just putting in... I'm just putting like finishing touches, making sure the art's cool. But Wolfie 3 is going to drop and not only that, but I'm trying to be able to drop singles like consistently cuz I'm sitting on over 30 tracks that I've just been mixing. I've been I've been upping my whole production game the past like 3 months trying to become a better engineer. So that's all I've been focused on. So this is the year of the wolf and there's just going to be Wolfy stuff dropping all the time, so Wolfy three, and then trying to do regular singles throughout the year. I also got a record with this artist Bobbing, um, who's an amazing just producer songwriter. Check out uh, his album called Mixtape. Mm. It's one of my favorites, most listened to records last year, and it, we did a live loop to tape jam where we did a bunch of like kind of math rocky sounding loops and just improvised it all to tape and then cut our favorite moments together and it's a little ep we made that's coming out soon i have like a new drum and bass project with this artist monochrome sweatsuit and uh we're going for just like super aggressive drum and bass meets shred vibes and it's kind of kind of aggro kind of dark a little like kind of funny an adult swim vibe sometimes mm, okay but um so i'm doing that of course uh the cover album's gonna be coming out very soon mm-hmm. and that one sounds really dope i have another project the illustrated violet that's also gonna be dropping some stuff soon we just dropped actually a live vp of us playing a bunch of um songs we've written and had been performing the last five years we did them all live um, all the audios, one take and sometimes I just have too many things.
0: And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show so it'll get bigger and better. And hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day, but you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at bigfatsnaredrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for bigfatsnaredrum and you will find us. The show was edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olson for the theme music. Bye.